this morning I want to talk to you about love. Okay, I know it's not Veterans, or not, yeah, it's not Veterans, it's not Valentine's Day, but love is something we need to be thinking about, learning about constantly. Um, I asked my wife for, for permission to talk about a few things. She graciously agreed to it. Um, what I want to start out is, you know, I, I ask you guys a lot of questions when I'm standing up here. And the first question is, it's going to set the theme for this entire thing, is what is love? Okay. What is love? Anybody have any thoughts that they want to throw out at me? Or are you afraid to say what you think? Okay, I like that. Is love a feeling? Okay. Diane? Okay, good answer. One of the things that in the church that we need to be very careful of is that we allow God to define things that he wants us to know about. And so we're going to be digging into the scripture. So who brought their Bibles this morning? Okay. You all have it on your devices, I know. But again, I encourage you to bring the real thing. Bring, bring your Bible. Make the effort. Um, Part of what I'm talking to you about this morning, and it's, you know, it's a delicate subject because it may step on some toes. I'll apologize to you right now. Um, but love is not a feeling. Too many times we allow it to be a feeling. We talk about, you know, how I feel at the moment. And feelings change constantly, don't they? Okay. One moment you like somebody, the next moment you don't. You know, when I was younger, I hated spinach. Well, it's not so bad now, so my feelings about spinach have changed. Things can change, but love cannot change if it's actually love. Um, we've cheapened the word. Is that when I say I love something, you know, I'd love to have a hamburger. I love whatever football team you guys are into right now. I love whoever. Okay, I'd love to go kayaking right now. Okay. We've all used it like that, right? To express a strong feeling for something. And so I've been saying that. Let's see, you know, I you know, tell my wife that. Hey, Ann, I'd love you to make me a hamburger. And then later I tell her, Ann, I love you. Does it carry the same weight? Because I've cheapened the word. And this is the part I had to ask her for permission for. Is... We're going to get real here. Is that all right? Yep. Okay. All of you guys, think back to before you were a Christian. Think back to your high school years. And you were trying to woo the girl, you know, the cheerleader, captain of the cheerleading squad. And things got beyond what God would approve. And you make the comment, I want to make love to you. Okay. None of you have done that. I know you've all been good guys through your entire lives. Okay. But we use the word in a way to try and to literally seduce somebody. Because we take a word that has a whole different meaning, a whole level of power and authority, and we try to use it to manipulate situations. Okay? And this is, again, being you know, open and transparent is the first time I ever told my wife that I loved her, I didn't actually tell her that. I said, I think I love you. Pretty brave of me, isn't it? 
we'd been dating for a few months at this point. Um, I was in South Carolina at the time going to school, so coming home, I didn't get to see her very often. And so when I finally got the guts up to tell her, I think I love you, I was afraid. I didn't have enough courage, and I did not know what love actually was because I was guarding my own heart. Is that if I tell her I love her, if I don't put that little disclaimer in there, I think, if I say I love you and she rejects my love, I'm crushed. Okay? So to protect myself and my own ignorance and my own immaturity, I said, Ann, I think I love you. It gave me an escape so that if she did not reciprocate my love, well, I was wrong. My feelings were wrong. Well, she's still with me, so I think I still love her. <laughs> I better, yeah. I do love her. Make that public statement. I don't think about it. I know I love her, just to be clear. Um, with God, you know, we'll talk about sex for a little bit. Um, it's not love. Sex. Exclamation point, yeah. Okay. Is it love is not sex. Sex is not love. All right. Love is something that is so much higher and deeper than we can imagine, than we can think of, that we, we need to allow ourselves to learn from what God's word says. Um, God ordained sex between a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife, and it's to produce offspring. But the actual act of sex, and they can scientifically show you the data on this, is it creates an intimacy between the husband and wife. It creates an emotional bond. It creates a spiritual bond that God intended to be a representation of who he is. And so when you see a husband and wife that no matter what the situation is that they're going through, whatever the turmoil is with the kids, whatever it is in their jobs, whatever it happens to be, if they're willing to fight through it and make it work, that's what God wants people to see. That's why marriage is so precious in God's sights. That's why he talks about it in the scriptures so often is because it's his representation to the world of what he is like. And because we're fallible, because, you know, we're, you know, flesh, we're fallible, is we don't represent God well all the time. But in working through things, we have the opportunity to show people forgiveness we have the opportunity to show them this is what God intended for marriage. This is what he intended for the world to see. Because if they just see dysfunctional marriages, especially when we talk about it in the church, the world's going to say, well, they're no better than I am. What do I need God for? We're representing his love. We're representing him to a world that needs hope. And so what are we portraying? So the love that we're talking about is going a lot deeper than feelings. It's going a lot deeper than you know, sex, it's a lot more than that. Um, if you will, everybody turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. So is love a characteristic? Again, not a rhetorical question. Is love a characteristic? Is it part of God? Thank you, Don. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to ask answer that question, verses 7 through 12. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. 
He that knows, he that loves not knows not God, for God is love. Okay? So it's a very simple statement, but it's one that we need to really take and think about. Love is not a characteristic of God. It's who he is. You can't separate God from his love. It's not like I have characteristics. There's certain things about me that you can point out. Those are my characteristics. But to say that love is part of God, we're not really grasping the whole thing. What John says right there is God is love. It's, it's just who he is. It's his nature. It's his being. It's who he is to us. So it's not that it's part of him. It's who he is. It's his whole being is love. And that's where I talk about is we've cheapened the word. We've taken the word love and we've made it something that it's not meant to be. We've, we've tried to understand it based on our limited ability to understand who God is. And so to say that God has love is you're missing the mark. God is love is where we need to think about it. Is that it's, you know, verse 8, God is love, very simple statement, and that he that loves not knows not God. So if we don't have love for one another, we don't know God. If we don't love ourselves, we don't know God. It's all-encompassing. Is that if you say that you love God, but you don't love each other, do you really know God? So it's a hard truth, but it's one that as Christians, if we're going to follow Christ, which is what Christian means, is if we're going to follow after Christ, we have to embrace all of his truth. And how that impacts our lives, it's going to be different for every one of us because we're at different levels, we're at different seasons in our lives. But it all comes down to is how serious I am, am I, about letting God direct my life? Or am I going to continue doing it on the way I want to do it, the way I'm comfortable with doing it? Do I want to think that I love God, giving myself an out, that I don't have to fully love him if I've given myself that little escape clause? So the declaration that I want you guys to make in your hearts, verbally, however you want to do it, at some point, you have to declare with your mind, with your heart, God, I love you beyond everything else, that you are my source, my reason for being, all the things that he is. So what does love look like? Most of you are going to be familiar with this next passage. 1 Corinthians. What chapter do you think I'm going to? Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Most of you are familiar with this. It's a very common passage for weddings. And it's appropriate for the reason I stated earlier, that God intended marriage between a man and a woman to be a covenant marriage with God as the focal point of it, as the center of the marriage. Um, So he wants us to be his representation to the world of what love looks like. We're to be an example to the community that we're in, the family that we're in, of what love looks like. And in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am becoming like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. That's right. 
And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. So if you're doing all those things, if you're being generous, you're giving your goods away, you're allowing yourself to be sacrificed, but you do not have love, what's the benefit? It says there's no benefit. Profits nothing. There's no reason for it because if love is not what's motivating us, we're missing the mark. We're not glorifying God if we're doing it just on our own interests, on our own strengths. It needs to come from God because he is love. Remember that, 1 John 4, 8, God is love. And so as you read those first three verses, if you don't have love, all of those things may be good things, but they have no value. They're not going to have any impact. So what is this love that when it's absence, everything else is nothing? It's vanity. Because it says, again, God is love. And so if you read on in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, this is the passage most parts or most weddings involve. It says, love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not vaunt itself over others. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Love does not seek its own. Love is not easily provoked, and love thinks no evil. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things, and love endures all things. And then verse 8, what does the word say right there? Love never fails. Why does love never fail? Because God is love, right? God never fails, so love can't fail because God is love. You see the reasoning there? So if love fails, it can't truly be love, can it? It may be human effort. It may be you know, your own desires. But love never fails. And all those things that we read down through there, that love never fails, love, <clears throat> excuse me, love does not seek its own. It's not easily provoked. All the things that it says love... Those are the things that God says, in me, none of those things will ever happen. So when those things happen in your life, what does that tell you? That's not of love. It's not of God. And so the scriptures are so important, and that's where, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, all of you, most of you are familiar with those verses, is have you ever thought about them since your wedding day? It's something that we need to constantly be having on our mind is what does the word of God say? How is it directing me today? And if you have no direction from God today, you're stumbling in the dark. You know, that we're to be following hard after the things that he has said and done. So we know that God is love. We know that love never fails. And what does love look like? What can we say, you know, what scriptures do we have that will show us the things that God wants to enlighten us with? Um, talking to someone this morning even, we're talking about um, Galatians chapter 5. So turn to Galatians chapter 5, please. And the fruit of the Spirit. Interesting thing about this is that there's multiple fruits addressed here, right? 
So those of you that are grammar teachers, English teachers, what kind of verb is used here? Is it a singular or a plural verb? Anybody? Okay. Well, my translation says, the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Singular or plural? Plural. Singular. <laughs> is love. Okay. So why are there multiple things listed there? You've got joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against those things there's no law. So the fruits of the Spirit, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And as I was driving to the church this morning, God kind of gave me a little revelation. And you know, some of you, I was asking if you had a prism. So I'll ask it again. Does anybody have a prism? Any of you ladies have a prism stowed away in your purse? Okay. All right, so you'll have to bear with me. Is, what is this? Okay, what kind of light's coming out of it? Green? Okay. okay. All right, let's pretend that it's white. All these stage lights up here. Okay. So white light coming out of here. Okay. What happens if we were happened to have had a prism and I passed the light through there? What are you going to see? Okay, you're going to see the spectrum, the visible spectrum. And is it still this? Okay, so it's still white light the way God created it. But when it's passed through certain mediums, when it encounters a resistance, you see different spectrum. You see the different parts that make it up into this. And so that's what I believe God was showing me this morning is that in this verse, the fruit of the Spirit is love. All right. So what you're seeing is love. Sorry to blind you there, Rich. <laughs> but when love is passed through a medium, when it's passed through a hardship, you see different aspects of it. You see a rainbow of things that are part of the original love. And what are those things? Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And so when everything's great, no hardships, no trials in your life, all people see is the white light. They just see love. But when you encounter something that tests you, that takes you from a place of smoothness, if you will, the rest of the parts that make up the love become more visible. That if you've got somebody, you know, you're leaving here to church today and you are in the love of God, God's love is in you, and someone pulls in front of you and cuts you off, <laughs> your white light has been tried. What comes through that? Is it your flesh or is it the love of God and there's peace there, even if somebody just endangered your life? That's a tall order, isn't it? Because every single one of you have been there, that someone has pulled out in front of you or they've you know, stopped short, whatever happens to be. And the thing that is inside of you that has the most strength is what comes out. But if it's the love of God, if you have God's love, that's what becomes visible. 
is that there's a self-control that was there, never there before. Okay. So every one of you, you've got different situations, scenarios that you're probably thinking of right now, is the fruit of the Spirit was not evident. Or maybe it was. But again, it all comes down to, is, is the love of God in you? And so when I'm, you know, different opportunities I've had, the other speakers we've had, is the amount of time that you spend in God's presence, the more you become like him. You know, husbands and wives. You know, somebody was joking with Ann and I this morning about that, that we've been married 32 years, and we still have some communication problems. Is that, you know, I'm going around asking all of you if anybody has prisms, and my wife says, well, your mother-in-law's got a bunch of them in her back room. Why don't you just take one of those? Because I didn't clear with my wife that I was going to be using this analogy because I didn't get it until the way here. But she was saying, your mother-in-law has all kinds of them in the back room. Could have just grabbed one of those. But So we are still working on those things. So what does love look like? You know, we've been talking about it. We've been discussing what it's not. What does love look like? Can you see love? Okay, we don't even need to turn to this passage, but I want you to see what love looks like. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Right? So what does love look like? It looks like sacrifice. It looks like something that God so loved the world. It's not that he, he I mean, he loves his physical creation. He loves the earth. He loves the planets that he created. But he loves us beyond that. For God so loved the world. And in the classes that I you know, teach, one of the things I commonly will tell every single one of you is personalize the scriptures when you're reading them. Don't say, for God so loved the world. Put your name in there. For God so loved Anne that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved Dawn. Personalize the scriptures because they were written for you. They were written for the world. But this book right here, all 66 books that are a part of it, it was written specifically for you. If you had been the only person alive that needed a savior, God would have written it for you. So what does love look like? It looks like a father that is willing to take his only begotten son and give it to a world that wasn't going to appreciate him, that was going to ridicule him, was going to abuse him, was going to kill him. That's the kind of love God has for us. Is he said, here's my son, and a few, there's a few babies in here right now. You know, Preston, you got your little precious thing sitting right there. Okay. Go ahead and hold Leo up there just a little bit. You see that little hand go up? All right. I would never ask anybody to do this, but as a father, you know, Ann and I have five children. You're holding that precious little thing in your hands. And can you imagine the thought of giving this precious little bundle to your enemies? Knowing what they will do to it. That's the love God had for you. He said, here's my son. Take him. 
do what you know I'm going to do what you're going to do to him. I know what you're going to do, and I'm still going to let you have him. So that's what love looks like. Jesus had the same love because he could have called down legions of angels to have protected himself. He didn't have to go to the cross like he did. But Jesus said, I love you so much, every single one of you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done to me, and said, I'm going to allow myself to be put right up on that cross. That's what love looks like. It's sacrificial. It's all bearing to do what is needed to get us back into right relationship with God. That's what love is. It's not what we've defined it as. It's not what we want it to be. Because love, on my terms, would look a lot different than it is on God's terms. You know, think back to the beginning when I told Anne I thought I loved her. Okay, that's not sacrificial. That's not courageous. That's me trying to protect myself from hurting myself or allowing someone else to hurt me. Because who are the people that can hurt you the most? the people that you've given your heart to. You know, somebody that hates me, I don't care what they say about me. It's not going to hurt me because they're already my enemy. But somebody that I've allowed into my life, that I've allowed to get close to me, to know my weaknesses, to know my vulnerabilities, they're the people that can hurt me. You know, the wounds that I have that are some of my deepest ones are from my own children. Because the love that I thought I was giving them, and sometimes the way they responded back to it, it's piercing. Every single one of you that's a parent in here, grandparents, think about the wounds that your own children have given you, and then multiply that for who God is. That every single one of you, every sin that you've committed was a dagger in God's heart. Because those are the children that I love. I've given them everything that they need. I've given them everything to sustain themselves. I've given them everything to reveal who I am. And they still reject me. They still rejected my gift of you know, my son, Jesus Christ. And so those are the things that when God says, I love you, he has no hesitation. He has no reservation he doesn't throw that word, I think I love you, in front of it. It's a bold statement that he is never going to take back. It's nothing he's ever going to be ashamed of saying, even when we reject him. And that's what we do. We reject him when we try and do it our own way, when we try and figure out that, well, God's got a good plan, but I think this will work a little better. Is we're not relying on him to show us the, you know, the true nature of what he created us for. So the question I want to ask you guys right now is, what are you willing to die for? Think back to the beginning. And if I were to have asked you guys without you know, any precursor to what I was saying, what do you love? If I had just started the whole morning out like that, just ask you, write down five things that you love. You know, Some of you probably would have wrote down the bills, the Steelers, whatever your favorite team is, hockey team, whatever it is, would you be willing, you know, I know this family right over here are Bills fans. 
put you on the spot. Would you guys be willing to die for the Bills? Okay. We won't go into that. Okay. But that's my point, is when we use the word love, it needs to be what I want for everybody to think about is we need to make love the word that it's meant to be. It's a word of power. It's a word of authority. It's a word beyond what we can comprehend in our limited intellect and emotions. But the, the more time we spend with God, the better we're going to understand it. When we see the work that he did on the cross for me, that, love, that word is going to take on a whole new dimension. It's going to bring a power into my life to break me free from sin, to break the chains off of me, to take things that I've been afraid to let go of. God will say, I, I got this. But we have to get to that point of submission, that point of knowing that what I have, what I can do is so limited. But the way God wants to use you is much grander than you've ever thought of if you can embrace his love and let go of the things that you think you love. And that's, again, what you think you love and what you actually love is that's a defining thing right there, is are you willing to die for it? My wife is a great cook. She made me an apple pie yesterday. Got to do that with our daughter and granddaughter. It was fun. I did not. I do not love you that much. But my wife is a great cook. That apple pie, again, sorry to do this to you people, but it was great. Okay? I am not willing to die for that pie, though, because it's not something I love. I enjoy it. I'm probably going to go home and have another piece this afternoon. <laughs> sorry. Okay? But I do not love it. I love my wife, and I love the things she does for me. Am I willing to die for her? Yes. Am I willing to die for my children? Yes. Am I willing to die for my love of Christ? That's how I want you to think of that word, is when you say, and we're all going to do it, it's part of our normal vocabulary, the way that we've come to speak, is, oh, I'd love to have a piece of apple pie. Ask yourself that question. And again, not to be picky with you, but as Christians, we need to have a standard in our lives. We need to have a, a difference in the way we walk so that when people are going through tough times, there's something different about them. Why are they able to remain calm when the storm's hitting? What's, what's different about them? What's special about them? It's because they've taken a simple word, a four-letter word, and they've made it something real. Because is God real? He's very real. And so when we talk about love, we're not talking about a feeling. We're not talking about this philosophy of how to you know, approach things, enjoy things. We're talking about a presence, the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the gift of the Son of God. We are talking about God is love. And so when we are able to have those fruits of the Spirit, where I will have love no matter what the circumstances are, people are going to see that and say, what do you have? How do I get that? And we all need to know our testimony.
What has God brought you through? What has brought you to the place where one day in your life you found yourself at the foot of the cross saying, I can't carry this burden anymore. Take it. I repent of my sins and I give them to you. So love can never fail because God is love. And so when you look at your lives and you ask that question, when I said, I love something, are you willing to die for it? And that's a strong, strong question to ask yourself. But it's one we need to seriously ask because when we look at the condition of the world, is the world in a good condition? Is our country in a good condition? It's definitely not the same as it was when I was younger. The only hope that this world has is the love of God because his love never fails and it's the only hope this world has. And so we're, it's rep, we're the representations of God's love. And so when we walk out of this building today, are we gonna carry our own concerns and desires again? Or are we gonna walk out of here knowing that God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son, said, here he is, do what you want with him. I mean, that's, think about that for a minute. Again, if one of you were to loan me your child and I was to say, take it, do what you want with it. I know you're gonna abuse it, you're not gonna take care of it the way I would, but you take it anyhow. That's the love that God has for us. Limitless, beyond our comprehension. But the more time we spend in this word, the more time we spend at the cross, it's gonna become real. It's gonna change your lives, it's gonna change your heart so that the things that come out of you are no longer your old flesh. They're no longer the things that you thought you knew, the things that you thought you loved. That if we don't have love for one another, we don't know the love of God. Next week, I would like everybody to re read Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Giving you homework. Romans 12, 9. And the whole premise of what I'm teaching today, what I started today, is what I'm going to call love and hate. And what I want you to see and what we're going to explore next week in Romans 12, 9 is it's the basis for as we walk out this life, as we walk as Christians, we need to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And I've already had a few people say, well, God doesn't hate anything. Is that true? Scripture begs to differ with that. So that's what we'll explore next week is love what God loves and hate what God hates. And as we close this morning... I just want to read some script or some lyrics from a song, popular song right at the, right about now. It's "Casting Crowns" and start right here. Some of you are probably familiar with the song. I am not going to try and sing it. I am not a vocalist, right, AJ? I don't say anything. Okay. <laughs> he loves me too. I much want a to piece of that. I want some of that pie. <laughs> All right. This is "Casting Crowns" song, and it's one I want you to just think about the words for a little bit. It's, we need to stop having 
the mindset that church is just something we do on Sunday mornings. That it's something we come here to spend time with God, we come to spend time with each other and understand the love, the depth of love he has for us. And the lyrics go, we want our coffee in the lobby, we watch our worship on a screen, we got a rock star preacher who won't wake us from our dreams. We want our blessings in our pocket, we keep our missions overseas, but for the hurting in our cities, would we even cross the street? And then it goes on to say, but we want to see the hurt set free and tyrants kneel, the walls fall down and our land be healed. We all want those things, right? But church, if we want to see a change in the world out there, it's got to start right here. It's got to start now. So that's what I want to leave you with is that that for us to see the changes that we want in our house, in our family, community, country, the world, it starts right here. It starts right here. Is that the more that we lean on God, the more we depend on Him, the more change, the more love we're going to have to give out to the world. But it has to start here. So if everybody would stand, finish off in a posture of surrender, if you will. If you need to come to the altar and repent, or even just challenge yourself to say, God, forgive me for doing things my way, for not letting you work through my life. The altar is always open, not just when the praise team's up here. So. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you that your love never fails and that we can read your words that you wrote down for us. That you want us to see the truth in a way that will just open our eyes up to the plans and the purposes that you've created us for. And also to take the limits off of our mind and our hearts. Just remove the boundaries that we've set around, the protections that we've said, Lord, we think we love you. But we only love you to the point that we're comfortable with. Lord, break that thinking, that mindset off of us. That will open up ourselves to be vulnerable and allow you to do a work in us that we can become that light on a hill that the world can look to and see that there is hope, that there is salvation in Christ. And I thank you for all the people gathered here, all the people gathered across the world in your name, that you will speak and you will just pour out your spirit on us. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.